0: Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern.
1: Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them, and thanks for having me on.
0: Jeannie Bus, Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett.
1: It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian.
0: Damian Luller.
1: That was for Seattle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh,
2: thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. In your preparation shows you.
0: Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I look
2: forward to catching up with you again soon.
0: Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian
2: Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope you had a great holiday weekend. A terrific guest lined up for you today. Pau Gasol, two-time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. Six-time NBA All-star. He is someone who is so much more than just an athlete. His Gasol Foundation is doing wonderful work in the community, uh, working with UNICEF and other organizations to battle childhood obesity. He's also doing some great things with Rafael Nadal during this time to help his home country of Spain during COVID. And... Did you know that Pau Gasol could have been a doctor just as easily as a basketball player? His parents both have medical backgrounds. He went to medical school. He had that fork in the road. Do I become a doctor? Do I become an elite basketball player? He chose basketball. He's likely a future Hall of Famer. Good choice, but what a diverse guy. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation that I have with him today. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. And uh, we talk a lot on the show about athletes that transcend their sport. And Paolo is one of those guys that you just can soak up the information of all the stuff he's doing in the world and his worldly knowledge with Spain and the travels he's done and the coaches he's had. He's really using his platform outside of basketball to uh, make a difference in people's lives. So really cool interview today.
2: He's really other than Steve Kerr. He's the only the only person I can think of that played for both Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. So he talks about that in the interview. What did he learn from both Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich? Obviously, he had such a close relationship with Kobe Bryant. And the thing that struck me about their relationship beyond basketball, they both speak multiple languages. They both have diverse interests off the court. So we get into that as well in the conversation. Um, Griggs, I was glued to the TV on Sunday for Turner Sports' presentation of the match, Champions for Charity. And it delivered 5.8 million viewers across TNT, TBS, True TV, and HLN. $20 million raised for COVID-19 relief. At the peak, 6.3 million viewers. So Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady They did it. And and I love the production. I love how their personalities came out. I mean, Griggs, couldn't we all feel like Tom Brady there on the first seven holes where you're like, oh, man, I just feel for this guy because he is yanking it into the trees and he's having a rough time. That's all of us.
0: Oh yeah, totally. I was totally Tom Brady in the first seven, eight holes. I'm like, this is me. I'm playing with all the stars and I am shanking it right, shanking it left, <laughs> every water hole, sand trap. But man, what a great event. I mean, I just was glued the whole five hours. I didn't turn it off. It was great. It was entertaining. It was hilarious. Peyton Manning is absolute hysterical. And I just thought it was so well done. Obviously the highest rated uh cable golf event ever. So it did well for the fans. Yeah.
2: I, I think, you know, look, we are starved for fresh content during this, but I think this would have done well even in in normal times because you bring in four very iconic names together. You put Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in waters that they don't usually swim in. I mean, they are iconic football players. They're not elite golfers. They're good golfers, but they're not Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. The other thing that I thought was outstanding was – Mickelson being mic'd up and I felt like by the end of the round, I had just taken a golf lesson from Phil Mickelson. He was coaching up Brady hard with reads and just such such good advice that I I felt like by the end of the round, like I learned a lot about golf.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it's like you got it behind the scenes. You started to learn the lingo and how these guys talk and how they think on a on the golf course during the a tournament that they're regularly playing in. So yeah, I love the coaching tips, uh, and then I love the banter with Charles Barkley and the TNT crew back and forth. Hilarious stuff. It was great.
2: Yeah, as I tweeted out, I'm fine with Charles Barkley being a part of all golf coverage going forward. Um, he he's just he's really funny. He adds a little levity to the broadcast. He can make fun of himself. I mean, really, the moment of the event was when Barkley's talking trash to Tom Brady, and then Brady sticks it from like 153 yards out, puts it in the hole, and then talks back to Charles Barkley. Like, how do you like that, Charles? And and it was just such a great spontaneous moment that you can't plan for. But what a golden moment of the day.
0: Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And how about Justin Thomas on the course? He did great. I mean, he acted like he's been a golf analyst forever. I, thought, I loved his intake, too.
2: Yeah, he was good. And, and obviously... You know, he uh, knows the game as well as anyone because he plays it professionally. But I did think that he brought some levity to it. He was giving Charles a hard time. I also liked, I mean, it was at the very end and it was kind of anticlimactic, but I like Charles's bogey challenge where you're like sticking around to see, like, can Charles get a bogey on 18 and, and get some money for charity? He didn't, but uh, it added to a little bit of the drama because, you know, we've all seen Charles Barkley swing. A million times on youtube and uh you know it was interesting to see that part of the the tournament too but 20 million dollars raised for covid relief it just shows the drawing power of these four iconic athletes
0: well yeah that's that's the key i mean they made a lot of money for a great cause and helped the world uh, of golf and the world of outside of golf so that's awesome and i also love just uh the uh yeah, all the charities and like Russell Wilson and JJ Watt and bringing these stars on there, making challenges for the holes. Uh, Brooks Kepka, love that angle too. Yeah, Kepka
2: pops on and says, Hey, a hundred grand if, you know, Tom Brady can make a par on the front nine. And he did because he stuck that shot. I think that was on the eighth hole. And then how about Russell Wilson coming on, like you said, and he said, I'll give a hundred thousand meals for, Anyone who can get it inside of 12 feet on the par 316th hole and three of the four golfers get it inside of 12 feet. So Russell Wilson ends up giving away 300,000 meals. That was great for charity as well. And, and you're right. The activations with wheels up, um, I think easy go cart is the name of the company that made the customized golf carts. God, I want one of those. I mean, the, the TV 12, the Tiger Woods, the Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning branded carts with the leather seats and the camera inside. By the end of the round, I had golf cart envy, Griggs.
0: Yeah, those golf carts were just sick. I love Tiger Woods, and just yeah, even like Peyton Manning had the Tennessee on there, had all his logos from the NFL teams he's played in. Golf is so good at engaging ads and their advertisers, and even the commercial packages during the event were all wrapped around the tournament and the sub- uh, suppliers and all that. Great job with golf as a whole.
2: Mick Ultra was lucky. If someone had made a hole in one on eight or sixteen, they would have had to. Give away twenty five million dollars to charity. Uh, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have minded, but I'm also pretty sure they're happy that they didn't have to part with twenty five million dollars. But you know, that got my attention too. Twenty five mil for a hole in one, and like we just said, Griggs, Peyton Manning almost had a hole in one, and then the two others, Brady and Mickelson, were inside of twelve feet on the sixteenth hole. Those Mickelob execs had to have been sweating a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know. I, they gave some great incentive, though. 25 mil would have been awesome if one of them would have sunk it. And then, yeah, Peyton lands it four or five feet from the hole. That was pretty close. I'm sure they were shaking in their boots. But again, great great incentive, great drive, and great uh pub for Michelob Ultra.
2: Well, and last but not least, TNT. Look, as the NFL draft and, and the NFL and ESPN, NFL Network showed us during the draft doing... You know, a virtual draft and obviously ESPN with WNBA showed as well doing these events during covid and a pandemic. It's not easy. You don't have your full crew. You don't have your full array of angles and shots and things like that. And they did a really nice job with this and they didn't have the full crew for this. Everyone looked to be social distancing. I saw the camera people in the shots a few times. They were wearing their masks. So, you know, TNT did a phenomenal job bringing off this this coverage. And, you know, I think having everyone mic'd up and having the different angles that they did really uh, played a big part in why they got the ratings they got and the fact that it was brought to us in, in such a manner.
0: Yeah, let's not forget it was a torrential Florida downpour, basically the entire 18 holes too. So to, you know, battle the uh, rain and the, all that going on with audio is always a challenge. So yeah, I thought they did a great job. It looked great, sounded great. It was fun.
2: Well, and I guess that's the last thing. A lot of athletes would have said, oh, it's pouring rain. I'm out. Like let's postpone this. I- I'm not feeling it today, but these four guys got out there and they did it and they raised 20 million for charity. So kudos to Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Well done. All right, coming up next, my conversation with Pau Gasol, two-time NBA champion, has some great things to say about his career, about playing for Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, teaming with Kobe Bryant to win titles for the Lakers in 2009 and 2010. You'll enjoy this conversation. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm thrilled to tell you about a new Sports Business Radio partner who's going to help you and whose products have been life-changing for me and my family. CBDMD is now the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio. Many people use CBD products as a regular part of their health and wellness routines, but only the best use superior products from CBDMD. CBDMD has a wide variety of CBD oil products, ranging from classic CBD oil tinctures to topicals, gummies. Heck, they even have CBD for your pets. From NFL veterans like Nate Burleson and future Hall of Famer Steve Smith Sr. to two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, CBD-MD is tested and trusted by people who know pain. And the best part? All CBD-MD products are THC-free. That was important for me. Third-party tested and backed by a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Look, these are anxious times for many of us right now. We're not sleeping nearly as well. I tried CBD MD's award-winning CBD PM drops, and I now sleep through the night. My daughter loves CBD MD's Revive moisturizing lotion and the CBD MD Freeze pain roller for her aches and pains from playing sports. And our dog loves the CBD MD soft chews. And because the products are all THC free, CBDMD is safe for our family. Dozens of companies have sent me CBD product to try over the years, but none come close to the superior quality of CBD-MD. Sleep better, relieve your aches and pains, give your pets treats that they will love. And to make it even easier to see what CBD can do for you, CBD-MD is offering all of our listeners 25% off your order when you use the promo code SBR at checkout. Once again, go to CBDMD.com and use promo code SBR at checkout to save 25% on your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Again, CBDMD.com. Use the promo code SBR at checkout and save 25%. Thank me later. My guest is Pau Gasol. He is a two-time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers, six-time NBA All-Star, NBA Rookie of the Year in 2002, longtime member of the Spanish national team, led Spain to the FIBA World Championship in 2006, FIBA Eurobasket's all-time leading scorer, and the founder of the Gasol Foundation. You can find them online at gasolfoundation.org. Pau, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you?
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, it's, uh, difficult times that we've been going through the last few months, but, um, you know, just trying to stay positive, uh, proactive, um, constructive. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way I believe is the best way to get through it.
2: Yeah. I want to get to some of that stuff in a minute because your foundation is doing some amazing things, but I wanted to start off. I've wanted to have you on for a long time. You're so much more than just an athlete. And I've always been struck by the fact that you speak five languages. You could have become a doctor just as easily as a basketball player. And you're a classical pianist. You're, you're just a very uh, diverse person. What was it like growing up in the Gasol household?
1: You know, we've, uh, we were lucky because we always had uh, pretty much everything that we needed. Our, our parents really worked hard to provide that for us and provide opportunities. And I am... As well diverse and rounded as I am, because my my parents gave me those opportunities, they gave me the opportunity to go to music class and piano class when I was eight, and and allowed me to go to a school that I received a great education. Um, that. Um, exposed me to the world of, of art and culture um, so I have a great appreciation that's a big part of my life as well I grew up in a household with my mom being a doctor my dad being a nurse so I I wanted to be a doctor myself uh, and I went to into med school uh, for a year um, until I I finally decided that basketball was going to be uh, my main occupation and I wanted to become uh and a professional basketball player, I could see that it was really happening for me. Uh, and my parents would not let me get off the the education route until I had more of a solid, almost gar- not guarantee, but like a, a solid chance to do that. Um, so uh, again, it's all thanks thanks to my parents and, and the opportunities, the education that they provided for me.
2: How difficult of a decision was that at that crossroad of continuing with medical school or going all in on basketball? You
1: know, it was a difficult in a sense because I love medicine. I, I really enjoyed everything that I learned that year, um, and I wanted to to continue learning. And, and one of my dreams was also to be able to become a doctor and, and be able to heal people and provide health to people, which is something so obvious uh but so important and now so highlighted uh pandemic and with the COVID um situation so uh again uh, that was that was a, the hard part uh, the easy part was that i also wanted to become a basketball player and and become a professional player and maybe one day get to the nba um so i couldn't do both they were highly demanding careers he tried to do it for a year. It was extremely hard. I remember passing out a lot of nights with uh, books and notes on uh, my chest, and just waking up with them in the morning. I was so exhausted um, just from trying to keep up uh, with everything. So, um, but it, it made me really appreciate how hard things are and how hard you have to work for. And 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 when once I made the decision to go all, all in into basketball, which is what I told my parents. So, dad, mom, if I really want to become a basketball player, I have to give it my all. It's not about comfort. It's not about being lazy. You know, this is a full-time dedication. So I convinced them that that was, even though they they were, I had, we had a meeting with the dean after my first year of med school saying, hey, maybe Powell could do like only like three classes or two classes. So he doesn't really give it up completely uh so like i can put it on hold and if basketball doesn't work out i can get back to it um but let me let me give my full attention and energy to to basketball and i did and it worked out obviously very very well
2: when you played for the lakers uh you used to go to children's hospital in los angeles and i know you befriended some of the doctors there did that kind of scratch your itch a little bit you you couldn't be a doctor yourself but you got to go observe some of those surgeries and and befriend those people
1: well in in every city in every team that i played for i've created a partnership with the children's hospital uh one of them at least uh so in memphis was san jude research uh hospital and from the very beginning since i was a rookie I, I developed a, a relationship with them. My dad worked at San Jude. My mom volunteered as a doctor. Uh, so uh, my ties with the medical field and healthcare are are and always been very, very strong. So once I got traded to the Lakers, I developed a relationship with Children's Hospital. Uh, once I went to the Bulls with Laura's Children. One's I went to the Lake, uh, the, the Spurs, uh, at the Methodist Children's Hospital in San Antonio. So it's always been uh, in Barcelona with uh, San Juan de Leu, the hospital there, Children's Hospital. Uh, again, it's so important to me in basketball. And my success as a basketball player has given me a platform and a level of impact with with kids, patients. Uh, that it's been one of the most powerful experiences that I've always had in my life, you know, to be able to touch a kid's life, that it's fighting for its own life um, and, and bringing positive energy, get a few smiles out of him, or ever um, and, and spend really like powerful and deep, humane, uh, human experiences and connections. Those have been the most, the most, uh, probably greatest experiences of my career.
2: Well, I commend you for it. It's amazing that you've always done that. I've gone with a number of pro athletes to children's hospitals. And one of the things they tell me all the time is all my problems go away. It really is a perspective shaper. When you go into one of the hospitals there and you see the the children and their families, you walk out going, okay, you know, maybe four for 13 from the field tonight, isn't the worst problem going on in the world.
1: Now it it does. I think to me, All the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important and how insignificant sometimes um, our own struggles are and uh, things that we consider important or really affect us that we really take to heart are not that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, not that you shouldn't care about what you do, and you, know, you should work really hard for next game to do better and shoot better and contribute to uh, to your team. And, and that, that edge is important as a professional athlete, and you don't want to lose it. But ultimately, you do have to keep in mind, okay, this is not that big of a deal. If uh, remember Popovich saying, you know, if losing in the first round or losing in the playoffs is the worst thing that happens to you in your life. You're 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 in pretty good shape. You're you're yeah. doing well. So so let's just uh you know not again not that because there's again that's a competitive edge that you need to have as as an athlete, if, especially if you want to win and finish at the top. Uh, you you can really be okay with with losing. It's, uh, it's okay. I missed it. All right. Uh, who cares? But um but there is an important sense of hey there's something bigger than basketball bigger than sports and and it's beautiful that you can utilize your success in professional sports to touch people's lives to make a difference in people's lives and uh, and i would definitely encourage all athletes to find their cause find their passion find uh, whatever it is that that touches them and and to make a make a difference make a difference in in those people's lives in those kids lives
2: your brother is also part of the Gasol Foundation, Mark. Just got a ring with the Raptors last year. Um, I know how important the foundation is to you and your brother. You're doing some amazing things right now. Uh, I saw in Los Angeles last week, meals for people, thousands of meals, backpacks. Uh, you know, you're really stepping up right now to help people during this pandemic. And then, you know, going on and on, you work with UNICEF, you're, you're battling childhood obesity. Maybe tell us a little bit about the focus of the Gasol Foundation.
1: Well, our, our focus and our mission is to battle ch- childhood obesity. Um, one of the, probably probably the biggest threat that children have been exposed to uh, for the last years Uh I, I learned along, you know, in 2012, 2013, that children that were born today for the first time in history had shorter life expectancies than, than their parents. Uh, this last year, uh, we've learned from the UN, numbers from the UN, that there was for the first time more obese people in the planet than people with hunger. Uh, we're, we're dealing with a, a terrible situation that we need to be highly aware of. Uh, tech, the world is changing very fast. Technology is taking over. There are great tools out there. But it's making us have worse habits, uh, to, that affect our health in a very negative way. And we have to be aware of that. You know, we have to really empower ourselves. And from the foundation, we just want to empower children and families to have healthier lives so they don't develop obesity. So they don't develop cardiovascular diseases. They don't develop diabetes and they have a good quality of life and they fulfill themselves as adults and as people. Um so that's kind of our, our mission with UNICEF. My my develop my relationship has developed over the years. I'm I'm a good I've been a goodwill ambassador since two thousand and three. Um but at least last year also I was named global champion for nutrition and zero childhood obesity. Um kind of focusing more on the nutritional aspect of, of my relationship with UNICEF and the and it's one of the four pillars in our work with the foundation, there's physical activity, there's nutrition, there's quality of l- rest, and there's emotional well-being. You know, and I think that also as, uh, now mental health is becoming more, more of a normal subject to discuss, uh, it's not such a taboo anymore, likely, and, and, and it's, I think there's a lot, a lot, still a lot of room for growth on that aspect, but we, we have to have that, uh, feel and an aspect in mind uh, for us to continue to, you know, be who we want to be, be, you know, being aware of our, of our status, of our health, of our mental uh, health, deal with stress, especially now with the COVID. And that's why uh, our work has become even more important to be able to deal with the uncertainty, the adversity, the struggles, the challenges uh, that, uh, that uh, COVID-19 has brought onto us, it's very important that we provide with knowledge and tools to be able to manage that in a healthy, in a healthy manner. So uh, we've, we've been very proactive. As you said, we've created partnerships with World Central Kitchen, delivering 4,000 meals in, in LA at the forum. We're delivering uh, about 800 meals in, in uh, San Antonio, Texas, uh, along with our, uh, all of our content, as far as the, uh, paying attention to healthy habits, uh, creating healthy challenges, what we call a healthy, the a healthy quarantine, healthy bringing healthy smiles to people at homes during these difficult times and, and times that we have been forced to be confined into our own uh, homes. Uh, it's, you know, uh, all that it's critically uh, critical and we have to continue to, to, to push and be really proactive. And I think that these times are times of need and times of need of leadership and people that are willing to go the extra mile and really um you know uh, take a step forward and and say hey I'm here you can count on me I want to help you we uh, we're, we're going to get through this together.
2: I know Rafael Nadal and you have uh put a goal of 12 million dollars to raise during this time as well. So again there's leadership. I've seen Rafa doing things in the tennis world. I see you doing things in the world at large like you just described you and Rafa have known each other for a long time. How did you come together on this initiative?
1: You know, where we've been friends, we have developed a friendship, of uh, mutual, more than mutual admiration, mutual respect for what we've been able to accomplish in our sports careers. It's a bit more like a friendship, a connection, a personal connection, and that's where uh, from a phone call, I say, hey, you know, this, what's going on? It's really, it's really bad. It's really frustrating. What can we do? Let's let's join forces. Let's let's just launch something together. Uh, and we we uh, we came up with this idea of our best victory, and, and to really kind of um, uh, throw this this uh, call to action together with the Red Cross, which is called the uh, the Red the Red Cross Answers, um, and and kind of try to bring all all athletes, all sports together, and be kind of like the driver. Uh, and putting out this, this goal of $12 million to reach over 1.3 million people in Spain, the most, the most, mo- the most affected by this crisis at all levels. Um, it, that's kind of how we, uh, was born from a conversation and text over the phone. And we just say, Hey, let's, let's go. Let's, let's put it out there, you know, in a, in a couple of days. Let's just work it out. Let's record the videos. Let's call our friends. Tell them to join forces. Let's use our platforms to really, put together a coordinated effort uh, to respond to this crisis um and, and and we did and the response has been tremendous we've uh, now had athletes federations um leagues uh, like joining in chipping in creating their own initiative um uh, to to be a part of our, our our call to action also the world of culture artists um musicians have uh, joined in the private sector again I think we created a movement in Spain that was very important because athletes sometimes are, are seen as role models. But we're, those role models have to step up when things get ugly. Uh, there can't just be role models when things are going well and you're winning and, and people are like tapping in the back how great you are or everyone everything is kind of going on with their normal life. It's when the things get ugly, when there's need, that those role models have to step up and take action uh and be proactive and and that's what we what we understand and what we are uh, we're able to kind of push push out and 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 bring to life
2: again you're to be commended you're doing some amazing work right now i want to go back again to your your childhood your brother mark also nba player what was it like growing up were you guys competitive were you not really that competitive did you push each other to get to where you are today
1: Yeah, we were competitive. We were competitive um, and with everything that we did. There was a gap of age, four and a half years, that it's significant. Um, But nevertheless, I was always, you know, I always kind of try to push him to, uh, you know, if he wanted to beat me, whatever it was, he was going to have to work for it. He was going to have to earn it. And I was not going to take it lightly on him. And um, so I... You know, I always made sure that he understood I was a big brother. You um, know, <laughs> uh, I think that that uh, hopefully helped him kind of uh, wanting to to keep working and to push himself and to uh, kind of also piss him off a little bit, if you will, to 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 get better and to try to try to beat me. And he's become, you know, one of the best players also in the planet, and he's made a name uh for himself because until probably until he was 18 19 20 or so he was just augustus's brother um, uh so he's is an incredible example of of hard work of dedication self discipline commitment and just just you know his path was not easy you know, when he went to to the US he gained a, a bunch of weight that he had to lose. He had to make a tough decision by leaving kind of the family that was with mem- in Memphis with me, uh, and left after finishing high school. He left back to Barcelona and said, Hey, I gotta I gotta create my own path, you know, and and, and I I don't think being here is good for me. Uh so I just gotta just gotta go back and and he he worked, you know, he, he really really put his mind into it and Again, is uh, become an incredible basketball player, uh, but also a, gr- a great human being.
2: Well, and how crazy it is that you guys get traded for each other. And then, yeah. you know, obviously years later, you, you play on the Spanish national team. That's got to be a highlight for both of you, I would imagine. What pride playing for your country together with your brother.
1: Yeah, we've had an incredible journey. Uh, we couldn't even... Dream of, of the of the things that we've been able to experience and and accomplish uh, as individuals and uh, as brothers and as a family. So uh, we just we've uh, been so fortunate uh, to, to to be able to do that. Um, that uh, we were able to play with the national team together in 2006 and won, winning our first World World Cup in in Japan. Um, then as you said, being traded for each other, I think we're the only brothers that got ever traded for each other, even though Mark was not in the league yet, but it was his draft rights were with the Lakers and his draft rights went to Memphis. When I went to to LA in 2008, uh, first brothers to start an all-star game, 2015 was an incredible uh, moment when we were able to jump off uh, that um, and in Madison square garden uh, during that all-star game. And then f- First brothers that ever won an NBA championship. Uh, so again, a lot, a lot of great athletes. Uh, to me, one of the things that I want us to do, and that's why we created the Gasol Foundation in 2013 was that, uh, all this success that we were able to achieve in basketball and playing professionally. This is kind of, we're working on our legacy beyond that. And, and that's why we wanted to kind of give back and help Children around the world to have the same opportunities that we've had. Um, Share the knowledge that we've gained and and, and, and know that works um, through our lives. Shared with with uh, families that we work with, people in need, people that are in extreme sometimes situations, uh, families that have very little means. Um, so we want to make sure we, we're we in touch with them because at the end of the day, they're, vul- they're vulnerable populations, they're populations at risk. And, and we want to make sure that we're uh, not neglecting them and that we're there for them and, and, and kind of uh, build kind of our legacy. I, I hope that the Gasol Foundation kind of surpasses us and continues to have impact beyond our lives. Uh, and that's kind of what we are building. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
2: We'll be right back after this. Nearly 20 years ago, Boingo dreamed of a world where people could connect to the wireless internet anywhere with any device. Today, that dream is reality, and Boingo has been at the forefront. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most. Boingo keeps people connected to the people and things they love with next-generation networks built for the 5G era. They are the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., and they work with sports teams across the NFL, NBA, mls ncaa and more from 5g and cbrs to DAS and wi-fi boingo is a trusted partner for staying connected now and in the future our thanks to boingo for their continued support of sports business radio connectivity is more important than ever and you can learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com that's sbradio at boingo.com
0: now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
2: Other than your parents, is there someone who you look up to as a mentor, someone who's taught you business, or, hey, here's how you build a foundation, things of that nature?
1: Uh, well, I've, I've learned throughout the way. I um, I have learned by reading. Uh, so reading a lot of books have uh, has been a big help. Uh, Peter Drucker, I uh, read a few books of, of Peter Drucker as far as managing um, a foundation or um, a charity um, and, and so forth, so I, I learned quite a bit from him. Uh, I learned from different foundations how they work, um, and I have met with uh, s- uh, directors of uh, the most, some of the most foundation, uh, successful foundations. Um, and I've listened and asked questions, and and I think that that's been also very important. Um, and then just by uh, associating myself with people that uh, that are great, that, are, that have more experience than I do, bringing in board members uh, that are, are knowledgeable, and I can learn from them, and they can bring something that I cannot. Uh, so surrounding myself with highly, I guess, prepared and educated people uh, and experienced people, um, have been, has been also a great source of, of, uh, information and knowledge for me.
2: You played for two of the greatest coaches in NBA history, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich. I imagine you probably learned a lot basketball wise, but you probably learned a lot about life from them as well. Both very different, but what did you learn from each?
1: Uh, I guess, uh, with Phil, I learned a lot. He, he's just a fantastic coach and person that I, you know, love dearly. Uh, um, and so I learned how to, uh, you know, meditation was a huge, you know, the, the huge thing that he brought, that it was completely new to me that is completely foreign and unknown. So for him to expose his players, it's, um, into meditation, into group meditation as well, and that then translated into reading about meditation, about experiencing it more, trying it more, getting into the habit of doing it, and how that's, uh, you know, a very important tool in order to to deal with the ups and downs of of life, of of sports, of centering yourself, of being mindful of where you are and, and who you are. I think those, that's kind of the biggest, probably the biggest takeaway uh, and biggest lesson that I've learned and has, a, has, has had the biggest impact in my life from Phil, uh, from Greg or pop, you um, know, uh, a different approach. Um, I, I've, I've also learned some good things. Uh, he was more, um, he taught players, he taught players about general knowledge about caring about other causes. He's very involved and very, I guess vocal about politics and about racial issues. Uh, he also gave books to the players, which I loved. Um, he actually gave a CD to all of us. Um, two, two of them. One was opera. One was a, cl- a collection of Luciano Pavarotti's uh, 50 best performances or, or, or arias. And, and I loved that, which I'm, I was already an opera fan, but I, you know, I appreciated that. And, and I think the other one, was an African American, uh, singer, uh, who is also, you know, a great, one of the all time great, great singers too. And, and he, uh, he gave it to the, to the team. So he, he kind of, um, and the thing that I like probably a lot about pop is, uh, which has been said is one of the, like, the keys to the, to the Spurs family culture is how, you know, team meals, something that, uh, that he encourages and he encourages team meals after games on the road. Uh, so he makes sure that a good, a very good quality restaurant is open after a game that the whole team can come and uh, you can break bread and mingle and kind of come together and bond after a win, after a loss. You uh, know, we're a team, and uh, that's been a huge, uh, I think, a huge thing, which is very difficult in the NBA because kind of everyone is kind of on their own. On their own bubble, uh, doing their own thing with their own friends, and he was very inclusive, uh, bringing everyone together in those and creating that that chemistry and that familiarity within the team. So I think that that's important, that's an important one.
2: I've heard that Pop is pretty legendary with his uh, selection of wines. He is a wine connoisseur, so I imagine you had some pretty good wine at those uh, team meals as well.
1: Yeah, we had some really some really good wines. Uh, I was always uh, very open and ready to enjoy those those voices. Uh, uh, so it, no, yeah, he's um, he's definitely a, a wine fan. Um, appreciates it. as uh, a big part of I think who who he is. And and the wines were always present in those dinners. And not not that everyone had them. Not everyone has to love wine, but um, I definitely appreciated it too.
2: Much like yourself, very diverse. Again, you speak a number of different languages. Kobe Bryant, when I watched you two, you know, it was wonderful to watch you play basketball together, but I always kind of wondered, wow, these are two really bright people. They speak multiple languages. They have diverse interests. Kobe, you know, won an Oscar, um, was so well read, spoke multiple languages. What were some of the things that you guys discussed non-basketball wise? I would imagine those were fascinating conversations.
1: Yeah, um, we had many conversations, uh, more so after uh, our time as teammates, uh, where we were able to kind of get away from the on-court, I guess, mindset and and, uh, what we were trying to accomplish. I think once, once you're in a in a position that you can win championships and, and you want to win them badly. That's all you think about. Uh, and that's kind of where we were immersed for the first part and during our, our years together as teammates and we developed an incredible connection on the court, complimented each other very well. We communicated well. We created just a, a great flow, very organic uh, from, from the beginning. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, after we started talking about, okay, what do we want to do? What do we want to build off the court? You know whether it was business ideas, um, opportunities. We would uh, he would tell me what he was working on and he was thinking about, and I was and I would tell him what I was working on on my end, and and we would just kind of listen to each other and kind of chip it in into okay, well, well, let's see this, let's see that. Um, you know he was very passionate about creating content and sharing his knowledge uh, via books or a little basketball history. Uh, it's just, uh, with the short film was an incredible success, as you, we all know. Um, but his commitment to, to share his knowledge, to, to leave a legacy behind, to share everything that he's, that he learned through kids' books, um, you know, which, you know, I think was, was great. And he also wanted to help players financially. So he created a fund where players could, um, you know, could invest comfortably and confidently knowing that he was in it, that, uh, he had a big stake at it and he invested, uh, significantly in it. Um, you know, the, the, the sports academy was also, uh, to provide a platform for players to, to have that mamba mentality. So he was all about having impact, creating, um, and sharing and, uh, and just continuing to apply his mindset of, of, of I'm not just a basketball player but I'm so much more than that and I have so many opportunities and he always brought the best of the best you know when he brought his, when he was uh, writing his books he he talked to uh, George R, R. Martin the, the creator of Game of Thrones he talked to Pablo Coelho Pablo Coelho the, the great Brazilian writer he talked to the top writers in the world to, to pick their brains and that was what everything that he did uh, he he knew he had the access. He knew he had the respect. He he was not embarrassed or scared. He did the same with Michael. You know when he started playing basketball, I want to be the best basketball player ever. I'm gonna make sure I send questions to Michael Jordan, pick his brain, uh, and, and absorb as much as I can to to be better than him. Really, I mean that's what he wanted to do. Uh, you know, so um, so I think it's a his so many lessons to, to be learned from, for, for anyone, for any person that strives to be the best that they can be, you know? Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of great memories and lessons uh, from, from him that I will apply for as long as I live.
2: Yeah, I bet. Uh, I watched the last dance and between watching that and, and seeing Michael Jordan speak at Kobe's memorial service, it really did strike me that Kobe was really the only guy that kind of broke through Jordan's hard shell and and got through to him and is Michael described Kobe as a little brother and the respect that Michael Jordan had for Kobe and you know Kobe seemed like we we always hear about that Mamba mentality he seemed like he was built the same way that Michael was with practicing hard and demanding championships, and, and there was really nothing less than that. How was it playing with someone who brings that mentality to everything they do, practices, and, and like you said, outside of basketball achievements as well?
1: It was a privilege in order to, to have that opportunity. yeah, uh, I, uh, You know, it could be hard at times, um, but once you understood where he was coming from, he just wanted to win he wanted to win badly so he was willing to do whatever it took and to push his teammates to kind of bring their best and to bring that same edge and approach and that is a huge factor why we were able to win and it speaks highly of what type of the type of leader that he was as well so uh, he just learned a lot from from Michael he understood and had him as you know okay he's the best uh, of the best and he opened the door so i'm going to capitalize on it and i'm going to be as annoying as i can be uh to absorb as much as i can so i can become the best um and i can dominate um so um so once i you you could see how badly he wanted to win how much he worked um, how dedicated he was um, you know that's kind of what you want to be associated with and it's it's business you know it's nothing personal you know it's it's, it's competitive it's highly competitive you got to put your feelings aside and and just do do what it takes push yourself and and, and don't set short don't set, don't set yourself short and just continue to you know understand that it that if you're going to face hardship, you're going to have to be prepared. Uh, and You're going to have to you know, train that hardship uh, during, during practices um, and throughout the season.
2: Well said. Uh, a few minutes left. The difference between basketball in Europe and the fans there, and you know, you're a basket and you're a league, and then the NBA. I have not spent a lot of time in Europe. I have not been at some of those big events there. You've been to both at the highest levels. What's the difference between the fans in Europe and the U.S.?
1: Oh, um, I think fans fans in Europe, they're highly passionate. Uh, I mean, now there's more games. But before, there used to be one game in the weekend, uh, and kind of like almost almost like uh, not quite as, as American football, where you have like one – it's every weekend one game, and the EuroLeague came along, and then now it's – uh, so two games a week, uh, and maybe two of them or one of them were at home. The other one were were away. So every game had a, an importance and a meaning, uh, and fans are like diehard fans. They're loyal fans. If the team loses, that's it's tough and that's hard. And they, they carry that with them. If their team wins, they're euphoric, they're great, they're happy, they're excited, um so i think that the, the emotional impact it's it's uh, a lot deeper in europe uh, by the affiliation um P- uh, tr- players don't get traded so the the i think the relationship and identification with players it's 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 higher uh for the most part uh, so that that's kind of where i grew up with then i came here so many games uh teams can move from city to city not, not very often but it has happened um Players get traded. Uh, teams can be like renewed pretty pretty quickly, um, and it's and there's so many games, right? There's so many games, so it's more of a almost a form of entertainment. Uh, and there's um, and if we win, great. If we lose, great. Well, there's a game tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's cool. So uh, and once I got to the NBA, that was kind of one of the hardest adjustments joining the Grizzlies because th- we weren't a very good team. A team in real building that just joined the new city went from Vancouver to Memphis in 2001. Um, played in the pyramid, uh, for, for a few years before the FedEx Forum was built. Um, again, um, uh, it was, it was, we, I lost the same amount of games in a week that I had lost in a previous season with oh, FC Barcelona. So I was like, what, what's going on? Like, I, I'm taking every loss so hard, uh, and, and it's so painful. Like, what uh, What can I do? Um, so I learned to deal and cope with that. Like, look, you got 78 more games. So, you know, if you got to just got to leave that kind of next play mentality and also kind of like learn to, okay, on to the next one, next play. Forget about yesterday. Well, let's focus on today. Let's give your best shot today and, and try to win and, and do your best today, right? So I, I learned that during my first season and, you know, and then uh, you work hard to be able to turn those losses into wins, and we were able to build a competitive team uh, for for a few years with the grizzlies and and we had some good runs um, and then I got traded to the Lakers later on, and I had those opportunities uh, to win championships, which we capitalized uh, on two seasons
2: yeah what's ahead for you we've had some downtime here during this pandemic. Uh, I'm sure you've been able to get your foot healthy or at least healthier than it was. Uh, I, I've talked to some of my MBA friends and they said, you know what, Pau Gasol would be one heck of an MBA executive one day, you know, working in a in a front office. You obviously, as we discussed earlier in the interview, you're doing so much to help the world at large. Have you thought during this time, like, hey, this is what I might want to do going forward?
1: Well, first, uh, you know, I, I focus on what's at stake and what's uh, in front of me right now. It's trying to get healthy and trying to get my foot right. Uh, uh, it is getting healthier, um, but the, the the confinement and the pandemic uh, has has slowed me down too. Which, in a way, it's been good because it's giving me more time. In uh, another way, has kind of um, stopped me from taking some some steps that I had planned as far as like doctors visiting doctors, uh, making. Um, or designing my new orthotics, doing bi- biomechanical studies uh, to be able to adjust to my my, my mechanics uh, and make sure that the navicular, the left navicular, doesn't suffer as much, um, so or doesn't take as much load as it as it was. So again, um, my first goal in mind is to get my foot right. Uh, hopefully, as we are deconfining ourselves and kind of easing into uh, other phases, uh, uh, we uh, I'll be able to do. Some of the things that I have uh, planned uh, for late March and April, um, and then, uh, continue to move forward with my rehab and hopefully complete my, my healing and have a chance to potentially play again. The, I, I think during August, September, I will find out if that's, if that's the case. Uh, if that's the case, then I will think about whether, um, you know, I want to, play another season and get to play my fifth Olympics in 2021, which I was uh, my goal before the, 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 pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Um, and, um, but if that's not the case, the executive side definitely interests me. Uh, I've already had teams kind of reach out um, before I even uh, found out or decided whether I was going to continue to play or not. Say, so, Hey, we would like, we have you on our radar. Like we would, we are very interested in having you on board. Um, so that is definitely something that uh, would be, I think, a great transition place for me to be able to be a part of a team and a franchise from a different position, and to build and be a part of a building process of a winning culture uh, in, you know, somewhere. So that's kind of a that's kind of an exciting part of it that uh, that uh, I might get here sooner or later, but, uh, I definitely have it on my radar. And it's something that, um, it definitely interests me a lot.
2: Well, I, you have my endorsement. I think you'd be one heck of an executive and, uh, just a a great mentor for the people playing for that organization. Last question. Uh, you know, you're a guy that, like you said, team meals, you like to go out and have dinner. If you can have dinner with, you know, you and three other people, let's say, Who's, who's on your dinner list? Who do you want to go have dinner with?
1: Ooh, oh, man. I don't know. Uh, that's a tough one. You know, I'm not a, a person that idolizes or like right. uh, uh, a, a, a lot, even though to me what I like mostly to, to two things. It would be with people that I really care about. So family and closest friends, because at the end of the day, I think this pandemic has always reminded us to not take those people for granted um so that's one thing and i guess if i could have looking at not just a fun meal but maybe you know if i had to my last meal i would i would have it with people that i care about and people that i love uh on a second version of it um i like to surround myself with people that that stimulate me that i can learn from um and that i admire so um so uh, people that could really that i would be in tune uh, of uh, accomplishing great things, being a game changer, um, really leaving a powerful mark in this world. Um, and who would that be? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, you know. We talk about you know whether it's Bill Bill Gates being a powerful figure and a huge person philanthropist that has impacted the world in, in many different ways. Uh, you know, that's very interesting to me very powerful uh mark zuckerberg another person that has uh, also has tremendous uh, success with with facebook um you know uh that would be a very interesting in how he kind of channels his success into you know having great social impact and helping others um uh, so that those are interesting i wish i could have had dinner with nelson mandela um uh, I was a one person that I would have loved to to sit down and and listen, Um, and and many other people that you know that uh, that I would just like to get in a room with like passionate people that were ready to you know to 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 act. They're they're ready to kind of combine efforts, and that's what I'm about. You know, I'm about making being a part of a team, combining efforts, complementing each other, uh, you know, kind of uniting forces to to reach a bigger goal and, and, and a bigger, uh, I guess distance. So that's, uh, whoever that, that was in line, that was, well, wanted to be a part of that. Um, I, I want you to be at that dinner.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a great dinner. Well, look, congrats on a great career so far. Uh, I hope that you are able to continue to play if you want to. I hope you get that front office job if that's what you want. But you know, again, you're such a diverse guy and uh, you've made a great impact on the world. I hope you stay safe during this time. And thanks for joining me.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
2: Pau Gasol, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Pau Gasol. And you can go to the Gasol Foundation website at GasolFoundation.org. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now, like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my and Main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. and Maine is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenandMaine.com, code SBR. Guess what? and Maine also makes super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenandMaine.com, use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenandMaine.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.
0: This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at SportsBusinessRadio.com.